I'd like you to turn to Exodus chapter 14. If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn there, Exodus 14. Uh, and I, I think that they may be in the, the nursery, but we have our oldest son and uh, his wife, Elisa, are here. There they are in back, all right. Tim and Elisa are here, and their son, Lincoln, is in the nursery. And some of you saw our family up here on Thursday night. That's all of them. There was an additional person up there that you probably wondered, who is that guy? Is that a part of the family? Well, he's going to be come uh, this summer sometime. Our daughter is engaged, and, uh, and so our family is changing. And boy, howdy, this, this whole thing about... Um, a daughter getting married off. I have found, some of you know this, uh, a daughter getting married is different than a son getting married. <laughs> um, uh, when, when Elisa, our daughter-in-law, uh, came into our, our family, I was like, son, way to go. She's wonderful. She loves Jesus. She's going to be a great wife and mother. And, and this young man who also loves Jesus came to our daughter, and I said, who is this Yehu that's interested in my daughter? So it's just a whole different reaction between sons and daughters. And, and uh, again, some of you know what that's like. Some of you will know what that's like. But um, our, our uh, future son-in-law, Ryan, was up here on the platform as well. Wonderful, a wonderful, godly young man. And God is doing a great work in his life. And we're excited for our daughter. In fact, they're involved in ministry every, every, uh, every uh, Sunday as well there in Pier. And our son and daughter-in-law are involved in ministry in the Seattle area, and they're enjoying their time here as well. So again, so good to gather together. Maybe you have family or friends that are, are here or you're going to be with them. Um, may the Lord bless you uh, as we close out this year and begin another year. Uh, we're going to again start in Exodus chapter 14. And from God's word this morning, for a few minutes, I want to uh, uh, address uh, the fears, that fears, uh, and how fears can factor large in what we do or fears can factor large in what we don't do. Now, you, this morning, you may be tempted to think, well, I don't have any fears. I'm afraid of nothing. I am a fearless person. And yet, uh, there's every one of us here this morning either has or has had or will have some very real and potentially powerful and life controlling fears. We're going to look at that today from God's word, more importantly from God's word and how God can deliver us from our fears or deliver us from those fears controlling our lives. Well, fear was a potential factor in the decisions of many people in the Bible. And you're going to see that this morning. Here in Exodus chapter 14, you're there, you're turned there. Uh, a, very, a very key moment in Jewish history, the Jewish people were newly delivered from slavery in Egypt. They had been there for centuries, and, and, uh, and, and, and they were suddenly, however, in a very, very bad place. In front of them, perhaps you know the story, in front of them was a body of water called the Red Sea, and behind them was an army who was intent on returning them to slavery. I want to give just a side note here. Every time God sets someone free, the enemy wants to return them to slavery. It's very important to remember 
Many of you have been delivered from some things. You can look back in your past, and God has set you free from those things. But I, I warn you, the enemy is behind you, and he wants to take you back into that place of slavery. So just be ready for it. This is where they were. The Red Sea in front of them, the pursuing army behind them, wanting to return them to slavery. And these people, we know that these people were fearful. So God directed Moses to say to the people in Exodus chapter 14, look down at verse 13, it says this, do not be afraid. First thing, God directs Moses to say to the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. It's brief. Let me read it again. He said, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance. I want you to see that word as well. The deliverance the Lord will bring you today. You see that word there, afraid. The word afraid means to be impressed or shaped by fear. It, afraid is a variation of the word fear. It means to be shaped or or, or impressed. Uh, impressed means that the, an image of something is put, put onto it. In other words, that fear can shape us or f uh, fear can, can, can uh, imprint us uh, and change us. Fear is extremely powerful. That's what the word afraid means. You see, God knew that they had fear. He, he knew where they were. He knew their, their status. He knew their situation. God knew that they had fear, but he told them, do not surrender to fear. Don't be impressed by or shaped by fear. Don't run, he said. Specifically, don't run, and our Lord will deliver you. So maybe you know the rest of the story. Here it is quite simply. They didn't run, and God delivered them. He did it by parting the Red Sea, uh, the, the, the Red Sea, and they walked across on dry ground. But they didn't run, and God's deliverance came. But I, I, I point out the alternate that could have been. Had they run, had they not trusted God, had they run back into the arms and, and pleaded for mercy before the Egyptian army, they would not have seen deliverance that day, and God's people would have been enslaved for a longer period of time. Their deliverance was due in part to not succumbing to fear. About 40 years later, right? A lot, lot of walking around the desert passes by. 40 years later, the next generation of Jewish people were facing transition. A whole different situation, but now they're facing transition. Moses, who had led God's people for really almost as long as anyone could remember, um, was turning over leadership to another person. His name was Joshua. In Deuteronomy chapter 31, God directed Moses to say this to Joshua, his successor. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Notice that line there. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. See, things were changing, and God was aware, again, of their situation. So one of the first things that he says here is, do not be afraid. Joshua was specifically was not to surrender to fear. He was not to surrender to discouragement. Again, an aside, uh, discouragement. He, he specifically says to Joshua, 
Don't give in to discouragement. Joshua was a leader. Let me speak to any person in any degree of leadership, whether you're listening, watching, or you're here in person. If you are in any degree of leadership, fear's evil twin, which is discouragement, is particularly going to uh, be a temptation to you. Any person in leadership, as Joshua was, even at that large level, any person in, in leadership is going to be tempted with giving in to discouragement. And I'm telling you that you need to be aware of that. You're not alone if you've ever been tempted with succumbing to discouragement or, of course, fear if you're in leadership, as, as Joshua was. God says, don't give in to these things. Don't give in to fear. Don't surrender to fear. Don't be impressed by fear or discouragement because God would go before them and be with them. Joshua, this great leader, became who he became because he did not surrender to fear. We, we still remember Joshua today. We still name people Joshua today in part because in that time of transition, he did not surrender to fear. Centuries later, now you know this story, particularly this time of year. The centuries later in Luke chapter 1, an angel sent from God said to a young woman named Mary, do not be afraid, Mary. It's the first thing he said. <laughs> the angels from God said, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. How many here would agree that Mary had a big assignment? Huge. Probably the biggest assignment ever given a person at any point in history. <laughs> hey, I got some news for you, Mary. You're going you're gonna to give birth to, the, to, to the, the, the Son of God. And, uh, he's going to be the Messiah. Uh, he's going to save the people from their sins. Uh, congratulations. A huge assignment. And, and so I'm very grateful that the angel, in that, giving that assignment, one of the things that God wanted Mary to know is do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Don't give in to the fear. The first directive was do not be afraid. Do not surrender to that fear. Now, had she given in to fear, we wouldn't have known of Mary. Right? That, that name that we know so well, this woman who was blessed among all women, rightly so. God would have used another, but he said, don't give in to fear, Mary. God has a plan. Short time later, Matthew chapter 1, another angel came from God and, and said, or again came from God and said to Joseph, who was trying to understand what was happening to his fiancée, right? I mean, he's got more questions than answers. And the angel said to Joseph, son of David, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Once again, this is the beginning of the greatest story ever told, the greatest event that would ever happen. This was the beginning. And a man is told by God to not be afraid, to not surrender to fear. We still name people Joseph today. If you drive around, even still, you will see a lot of nativity scenes with Mary and with Joseph. And we know their names and we know what they did in part because both of them, when faced with an almost overwhelming task, did not surrender to fear. That's why we remember them. One more example. Years later, 
uh, after Jesus lived and died and rose from the dead and ascended into heaven and sent his Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul and others at the very end of the book of Acts, they're, they're in a place of great peril. They're about to be shipwrecked and, 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 and they're going to perish at sea and, and it's really bad. I mean, it seems like a hopeless situation. They're in peril. But an angel from God said this in Acts chapter 27, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before trial, must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. God said in this place of peril, in this difficult, difficult place, when they didn't think that they were going to make it, the first thing that the angel sent from God said to, to Paul was, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. So throughout time here, throughout time, you, you see in the, in the whole scope of, of the Bible, throughout time, uh, God telling his people in fearful places to not surrender to those fears. Again, God telling his people throughout time in difficult situations to not surrender to fear. In fact, some of you know this, in fact, that phrase, do not be afraid or its equivalent, fear not, is one of the most repeated directives throughout the Bible. You'll see it not once or twice, or in this case, five times, but you'll actually find it hundreds of times that God said to his people in difficult and potentially fearful situations, again and again, you hear God by one means or another, through an angel, through a person, direct from God himself, telling them, do not be afraid or fear not. Now, why would God say that so often? I'll tell you why. Because there's a lot of people who have a lot of fears and there's a lot of potential of giving in to those fears. And there still are. You see, by the time that the Bible closed there, at the, near the end of the first century, it, it, it wasn't, it, it's not that, that the fears stopped, right? They continue to this day. There are still God's people who are in difficult, perilous, dangerous situations who have the opportunity when seeing those fears <coughs> to surrender to them in times of peril, transition, or pain, or at the beginning of something great, God's people were and are faced with making fear-based decisions or faith-based decisions. When we are in those difficult places like they were, we will make our choices, our decisions based upon fear or we will make them based upon faith. And I'm going to give you a warning. If you make them based upon fear, you will regret those decisions. I look back in my own life, and I won't, I won't bore you with the details, but every time I made a decision by giving in to my fears, I eventually regretted it. Every time I trusted God, and in spite of my fears, I said, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to believe in you, regardless of how difficult or fearful this is. I never regretted those decisions. You know, even Jesus, we're, we're, we're again, we're going to remember his death and his, his sacrifice today. We're going we're gonna to re be reminded of that at the close of this service. But you know that even, even before uh, Jesus, before his arrest and his crucifixion, do you know that it, 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 he also faced fear? 
uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane, the Bible says in Luke chapter 22 that Jesus was, and th- these, these two words, it says he was in agony. I, I looked up the, the meaning of the word agony. Agony or agonia is the Greek word. The Greek word agonia means one of two things, either an intense physical pain or an intense emotional anxiety. He, we know that he was in agony on the cross, right? He suffered. He felt that physically. It was physically uh, incredibly painful on the cross. He experienced agony on the cross. But the Bible says that he experienced agony in the Garden of Gethsemane. Not, a, not an intense physical pain, but an, an intense emotional anxiety. Anxiety is another word for fear. You say, well, wait a minute. Jesus, Jesus felt fear. He, he, he faced fear, absolutely. But he did not give into it. He did not give into it. He was faced with fear, but he did not surrender to it. The night before, he was, he was arrested and crucified, uh, 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 arrested and, and tried and, and, and brutalized and eventually crucified. Before all of that, he was in agony knowing that the sins of the world were going to be placed upon him, knowing that, that God was going to turn his back upon him because of the sin upon him, knowing that he was going to physically suffer, and it, it caused him fear. But facing that fear, I alluded to this last week, he said, yet nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. He said, yes, this is real, this is powerful, but I am not going to make, I paraphrase, I am not going to make this decision based upon my fear or the fearful situation that is before me, but I'm going to trust my Father in heaven. Not my will, but yours be done. See, fear is a powerful thing. Fear is a powerful thing. Intense fear is often a factor in our decisions. God deliver us from making decisions out of fear. Let me just give you a couple of them. Though there are many, these are more headings or, or categories than there are actual specific fears. But how many, don't raise your hands, but how many here have experienced or, or felt a fear of failure? It's one that I have. Particularly early on, you're starting something, you're doing something new and and you're saying, oh, if I don't make this, I'm just not going to make it. That fear of failure can almost be overwhelming. I know that. How about the fear of man? Fear of man is a fear of what people will think or a fear of what people will do to you. There's a lot of people that give in to that fear. What will this person say or think of me if I make this decision? And so they're immobilized. They don't make that decision or they make the wrong decision based not upon what God wants for them, but upon a fear of what someone will think or do. Fear of, fear of man is a powerful fear. How about this one? The fear of, of loss. The fear of losing something. And we sometimes make our decisions based upon that. Someone helped me a number of years ago. They, they explained to me how, how you know, people say that, that they don't like change. And that's really not true. People don't mind change. What, what people don't like about change is that in the change, they will lose something in the process. So a, f- uh, 
A fear of change or a reluctance to experience change is really at its base a fear of loss. How many people don't want to do something that they've not done before, go someplace that they've never been before, uh, trust God even though God has put it on their hearts to do something that they've never done and it's going to experience change and they're thinking that in doing that I'm actually going to lose something. It's a fear of loss. It can be a powerful thing about the fear of pain or discomfort. I like my life right now. And if I do that, it's going to get more complicated. It's going to get more strenuous. There's going to, I'm going to face a new set of challenges, a new set of difficulties that I'm presently not experiencing. And so that fear of, that fear of pain or that fear of discomfort causes us to make our decisions. Fear is a powerful thing. And again, so often we can make our decisions based upon our fears, which are very real, or we can make our decisions based not upon our fears, even though they are there, we can say, in spite of that, I'm going to trust God because God said this. Are, are your decisions fear-based or faith-based? See, fear is not of God. Fear is not of God. I'm going to say it again. Fear is not of God. 2 Timothy, listen to this, 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7 says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Again, it's brief. Let me read it again. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. That's an important That truth is an important truth to know. Maybe some of you need to write that down and stick it on your mirror where you see it every day. You need to put it on the dashboard of your car. God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. This tells us that fear does not come from God. How many times in our lives are we facing something, and in that moment we need the Holy Spirit to say, this is not of God. This is not of God. Boy, there have been times in my life where I was just almost consumed by it. I think of the, the, the things in my life. The, the, what could have been different had in those moments I, I failed to realize this, this fear that I'm feeling, that's not of God. This is of the enemy. And, and if I succumb to this, then what God wants to do in me and through me will not be carried out. I was absolutely terrified of getting married. It's actually a fear of failure, right? Um, uh, I, I didn't want, or fear of rejection, right? If I asked her, she said no, or something like that. Uh, I, I, was, I was terrified. I was terrified of going into pastoral ministry. I'd been in the ministry for years, but I was terrified of being a pastor. I thought, I, I, don't, I don't think I can do that. But God said, do it. And Thankfully, I said, I, I, was, I, I don't know if I should say it, I was really scared about coming here. There were some real challenges. I, I was scared. And, and I remember thinking, I have a good thing going here in Minnesota. And, well, we got a great, good, but I know if I go there, life's going to get more challenging. And, and, uh, but, but, you know, I'm really, really grateful that I, I made that decision based not upon fear, but upon faith. I could give a lot more examples, a lot more examples of, of, of that, but, but I know that in those moments when I was feeling that fear, I knew this is not of God. This is the enemy wanting to stop what God wants to do in me and through me. 
It's the enemy of our soul that uses fear. Fear is, is, is one of the tools that the enemy reaches for and uses against you almost more often than any other tool, fear. So in a world that is given to fear with, with so many examples of when people give in to fear, what do we do? How do we overcome fear? Really, that's what we need to know. How do we overcome fear? First of all, number one, if you're trying to know, number one, uh, know Jesus Christ is Lord. If you know Jesus is Lord, that is the most important thing. Know Jesus as Lord. Um, we, we, uh, we, we talk a lot about knowing Jesus Christ, but if you do not have Jesus as your Savior and Lord, you are going to be absolutely consumed with fear. More than any, the fear of death. I, I have mentioned to a number of people one-on-one -on -one that one of the reasons why this current thing, this pandemic, one of the reasons why it has been so unsettling for people um, is, is not necessarily the fear of illness or, or the fear of what it will do to us, but the fear that it will kill somebody. And, and there are so many people that are surrendering to that fear. Don't, don't misunderstand me, please. Only know this, that, that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, one of two things is going to happen. You're, if, you, if you get it, you're either going to get better or you're going to go to be with Jesus. Now, I'm not being flippant and saying that death is not an important thing or, or a difficult thing. We've certainly experienced that here. What I am saying is that if you are in Jesus Christ and you know that your, your eternal life is secure in him, then glory, hallelujah, to live is Christ and to die is to gain. And so if the number one thing in overcoming fear is know that Jesus is Lord. I'll tell you, the very simple fact that knowing that I am in the center of God's plan and in the center of his will gives me an incredible amount of peace. It banishes so much fear to know I don't know what's going to happen, but I know this, I am held in his hand. If you know that you are the Lord's, that's, that's why I put it number one, how do we overcome fear? First of all, be in Jesus. If you're not in Christ today, it's very simple. Just say, Jesus, come into my heart. I acknowledge you as Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins. I want to begin living for you, not for myself anymore. I want to live for you. Help me. You make that very simple prayer. You become a follower of Jesus Christ. You begin the greatest adventure you will ever be on that will last forever. Hallelujah. That's the number one thing in overcoming fear. Number two is acknowledge fear. Call it what it is. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that's done. But you still have in fear, then call fear what it is. Acknowledge it. I'm fearful. I recognize what this is. I recognize that this is not of God. As God directed Paul to write to Timothy, that this is not of God. This fear is not of God. I acknowledge that. Don't pretty it up by simply calling it stress or worry or anxiety or insecurity. 
Don't just pretty it up. Base it. Strip all the layers away. What is it actually? It's fear. It's fear. It's powerful. Acknowledge it. Third, confess it to Jesus. You know, we do this with everything else. You know, if you if you got if you got an issue in your life, you you strip it away and you call it what it is and say, Lord, I confess this to you. There's power in confession. There is power in confession. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not talking that you have to go on a Saturday night to somebody with a screen in between you. You tell them what, and then they forgive you. No. By confession, I mean you go to the Lord Jesus Christ, and you say, this is in my life, and I give it to you. I surrender it to you. I am wrong. I surrender it to you. You confess it. If you're in Jesus Christ, and you're calling worry or anxiety or stress or insecurities for what they really are, and you're acknowledging that it's it's really fear, then you confess it. Lord, I confess this to you. And finally, ask him to deliver you. He still sets people free. He still sets people free. Ask him to deliver you. Lord, I'm calling this what it is. You're my Savior. You're my Lord. This is what it is. I confess it to you. I ask that you will help me, and Lord, would you deliver me from this. Listen to this. It's in Psalm 34, verse 4, and it says this. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. I like that. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. When David wrote that psalm, an insane king wanted to kill him. A nation was turned against him, and his future was very uncertain. It doesn't say that David had no fears. It says when he sought the Lord, the Lord delivered him from all his fears. I was reading that a couple of weeks ago, and I thought, whew, if David could say that, and he's a hunted man, and a whole nation is against him, and his future is very uncertain, if he can say that and say, Lord, I, I turn to you and you deliver me from all my fears, oh, man, if he can say it, I can say it. See that verse right there that's before you from Psalm 34. It tells us that there's not a fear we can an encounter that is beyond God's power to deliver. Let me restate that. There is not a fear we can encounter that is beyond Jesus' power to deliver. Not one. Not one. He delivered me from all my fears. I counted this last week. I'm a counter. If you know me, I, I count things. and I didn't write it down, but I counted it. This last week, in four different conversations, um, the last one, just last night, I met someone who knew me um, and introduced themselves to me, and, and uh, uh, w- that was the last one. But four times throughout this week, somebody said, God delivered me. God delivered me from something. God delivered me. God delivered me from this sin. God del- set me free from this. Uh, last night, I, I met this person. Again, somebody came up, introduced me. She knew who I was. I didn't know who she was. But one of the things that she said, she said, when I came to Jesus, he delivered me. Her words, he delivered me. He delivered. Jesus still delivers. He still delivers. Some of you need to hear that today. He still delivers. This is not a pipe dream. This is not I hope something. I hope that he'll help me cope. But Jesus can deliver us from all our fears. You fill in the blank, whatever it is. I mean, that's a big fear. 
It's not too big for God. Well, I don't know about this. This is pretty powerful. It's not too big for Jesus. He can deliver you. When you do this, your faith will grow. One more psalm. In the middle of uh, arguably the best-known psalm in the Bible, in the middle of the best-known psalm, many of you have memorized it already, but maybe, maybe you never thought of it in this context, but it says this, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will, what? Fear no evil. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil. Say that with me. I will fear no evil. Say it with me again. I will fear no evil. Because you're with me. It's your rod and your staff, they comfort me. See, that's why number one is know Jesus. Be his. And even though I walk through the most difficult, uncertain, fear potential disabling times, I will fear no evil. Because you're with me. When you see those fears, we sang intentionally so we sang a song earlier I will speak to my fears I will preach to my doubt when we look at those fears and we say but God said when we make our decisions based not on fear but on faith when we do this I promise you your faith will grow when you encounter fear, anxiety, worry, insecurity, whatever you want to call it, when you encounter fear, that's what it is, when you encounter fear of any kind, if you respond with faith in Jesus Christ, the fear will subside and your faith will grow. But if you encounter fear and you ignore faith in Jesus Christ, the fear will grow and your faith will diminish. Our Lord, in His great mercy, has given us a new year. This 27th day of December 2020 is the last Sunday the last time this congregation, many congregations across the world will meet in this year. Um, it's been quite a year. And in some, with some people and in some homes, particularly those who had an empty plate Christmas table is perhaps one of the most difficult years ever. There are some who have lost jobs and faced struggles, faced new challenges unlike they've ever faced before. But God has given us a new year. He sustained us through this year. He's given us a new year. 
in this new year, 2021, there are going to be like those people in the Bible. There will be some perilous moments where there's a difficult thing in front of you and a difficult thing behind you. There are going to be perilous moments where, boy, this thing seems like it's about to wreck, and I don't know if we're going to make it out of this, like Paul. In this coming year, there are going to be some transitions, kind of like what Moses and Joshua experienced, the people experienced. Something's going to change, and, and in those transition moments, you're, you're going, in 2021, you're going to go, woof. This is big. My life is about to change. Or my family's about to change. Or my circumstances are about to change. My job is about to change. And in those times, you're going to be tempted with giving in to fears or trusting in Jesus. In this coming year, there are going to be some amazing things that God wants to do in you and through you like Mary and Joseph. I, I mean, some of the greatest days of your life, some of the most powerful moments of your life, some of the greatest areas of advancement that you have ever seen are going to take place in this coming year. Do not let fear steal it from you. Because when you have that enormous task in front of you, you're going to say, all right, do I trust God or do I surrender to the fears? It's going to be an amazing year. It's going to be a challenging year, just like every year. Hey, come on, has, have any of us ever said, oh, you know, boy, that 1998, that was a perfect year. That was easy. Some of you are going, 1998, I wasn't even alive yet never been an easy year. It'll never be an easy time. The current things are going to pass and there'll be something else new. But I know this, that my Lord will still be on his throne. There's going to be changes in government. There are going to be changes in economy. There are going to be changes in society. All that, all that transition there are going to be new things that, that, are, that are, uh, can, can take our lives or take our comfort or, 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 or take, our, take away our, our, our ease. <laughs> there, there, are going to be, there are going to be some perilous times. But glory to God, I'm in Jesus and he's leading the way. We're going to make it. God help us to not make our decisions based upon fear but upon our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I promise you, you won't regret it. In just a moment, we're going to transition now, and we're going to go into a time of communion. But I'm going to ask our musicians if they'll step forward. And uh, again, uh, as was mentioned earlier, if you did not receive uh, a uh, communion elements, uh, we, we have those for you. We want you to go ahead and, and uh, access those now. They're summoned back if you need to step out. This morning, we encourage you to take part if you are a follower, of, maybe you're here visiting, you're not a member of Aberdeen First Assembly, you don't need to be a member of this church or a regular attender. Uh, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, however, we want to encourage you to do so.
Also during this time, and I almost always share this, is a, a real time of uh, reflection, inner reflection, and, and scanning, if you will. Say, Lord, is there anything that I need to bring to you and I need to confess to you? That can happen right now. In a few moments, we're going to receive this together, and, and uh, I want us to, to do this. And uh, uh, while, while we're preparing our hearts for this, uh, Joni, I would like us to sing this now. And uh, just for a few moments before we, we look again into God's word and receive this together, uh, would you lead us and, and would you join us in this as together we, maybe you're watching at home, go ahead and sing this. You're going to see the words there in front of you as well. But uh, let's, let's sing this together. that element before you, that representation of Jesus' body and blood, if you would just peel that first layer off there and take the bread in your hand, we're going to receive this together in a moment. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, for I receive from the Lord what I also pass on to you. 
the Lord Jesus Christ, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had prayed and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Lord Jesus, we hold in our hands the symbol of your body that you gave so willingly. You were not forced onto that cross. You willingly went to the cross and allowed yourself to be broken and wounded in your body for our sins. Your word says that by the stripes that you bore on your back just prior to the cross, we receive healing. And so, Lord, we remember your sacrifice. We remember your broken, agonized body. And we thank you. We pray this in your name. Let's receive this together. same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup, and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Paul goes on to write, for whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Jesus has not yet returned. Someday we'll all be gathered together in heaven with those who've gone before us in Christ. But until then, we remember his shed blood. Lord, we thank you for this symbol of the blood that you shed, the blood that washes away all our sins, the blood that, that uh, gives us the power to overcome any sin, any fear. I thank you, Jesus, that because your blood is upon us, then we are in your plan and we are in your purpose and, and, and that, 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 Lord, you, you have something for us that the enemy cannot take away. We thank you for the blood that you shed. It changes our eternity. It forgives our sins. And we thank you. We remember you now. Again, in Jesus' name. Let's receive the cup together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Across this congregation, would you stand, please? Lord, once again, I thank you for this coming year and all that it holds. I thank you that we close out this year declaring your sacrifice. I thank you that we look on a new year and say, Lord, because you are my Lord and you are my Savior, what a difference it's going to be. I thank you, Lord, for the, the weeks, the months, the years ahead until our life here is over or until we see you face to face, until you, are, you return, Lord, one or the other. I pray that we will be found faithful. I thank you, Lord, for every uh, man and woman and young person and child that is here today or listening. I ask your, your blessing upon them, 
that you would would uh, uh, empower them and protect them and use them and fill them with your Holy Spirit and use them to reach other people who are lost and who are hopeless as they close out one year and face the beginning of another. Thank you, Jesus, that you've called us. Your blessing upon us, I pray, in the mighty name of Jesus, amen. God bless you, go in the power and in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ.